opportunity to talk to Scottish singer-songwriter Dot Allison over Zoom video. Dot Allison's mom was and is a professional musician. She actually was a music teacher, but of course, because it was Dot's mom, she didn't want to learn how to play music from her. But she did learn how to play piano from a very, very early age. But it wasn't until she was in college that she really got her big break in music. She was studying to be a biochemist while working at a bar. And while she was working at the bar, she ended up collaborating, doing some music. And that's how the song Fallen was formed. And Fallen became a massive hit for her band called One Dove. She talked to us about the success of that song, eventually putting out a solo record and then not releasing music for 12 years. So she went on like a 12-year hiatus. It wasn't really until the pandemic kind of happened that she started dipping her toe in music and songwriting again. And she's put together this incredible new record, which is called Heart Shaped Scars. And she talks to us all about that record. You can watch our interview with Dot Allison on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Dot Allison. Yeah, so this is all about you. Our podcast is about your journey in music and how you got to where you are now. All right, okay, great. I think I'm sorry. I just got into the studio, so I'm a bit kind of flustered, but yeah, nice to chat. Awesome, awesome. Uh, First off, tell me, you're born in Scotland? Yeah, yeah. I was born in Edinburgh, um, and I live. Well, it's a lovely city, actually. There's like massive sort of uh, visible history, and and I guess a sense of history, and um, slightly sort of ghostly. I don't know. It's aesthetically, it's it's. I I think it's quite a beautiful city. Obviously, it's all kind of based around a castle, which is like what tenth century or something, and then. Uh, um, then you've got the new town and the old town. But yeah, it's a, it's a stunning city and it's pretty green as well. You're never far from kind of foliage. And yeah, it's a nice city to grow up in, I would say. Very cool. What was it like uh, music-wise? How did you get into music? Um, well, my mum was a professional musician and my aunt also was musical. And um, like I, I played piano as a child and kind of in our house, it was just like there's just stacks of classical score like um you know books of books of score and sort of Mozart and Bach and both Beethoven and just sort of you know um the heavyweights I guess and lots of vinyl and um so I started off playing piano and we had two different upright pianos we didn't we didn't have a huge amount so like they were both kind of like faulty in different <laughs> different ways so one had like a D that didn't work and the other one had an A that didn't work, I think. So um, <laughs> so it's sort of like you want to play the verse in one and the chorus on the other if you want to get the, the feel effect. But, um, but yeah, I think my mum told me when I was about five, I sat on the piano and said, oh, look, I can reach the brakes. So I think I always, always disliked. I seem to have, I don't know if I've invented this, but I feel like I've got a memory of, stand, of standing in front of the piano and like banging the notes when they were up there. Do you know what I mean? Like above oh, my head. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I did that. I think I probably did because, yeah, because we had we always had pianos in the house. Um, and then my mum got a drum kit at one point as well, so I had to go, go to that. Um, and then I started playing guitar a bit as a teen, although I wouldn't, I'm not, I would never say like, oh yeah, I'm a guitarist, like I'm a strummer. And I've started getting better at picking, like I do quite a lot of picking now. 
but I'm not like it's not like a sort of fret wizard or anything um so yeah guitar um that was as a teen and but piano is my first instrument and I used to compose at the piano sort of think like things I heard on the tv I remember working out John Carpenter scores at the piano um and then like Eric Satie sort of being very touched by the melodies and sort of wanting, just wanting to hear them again and then sort of working them out by ears so that I could play them and stuff. So um, I think trying to write a song very early on, it's probably terrible. I'm pretty convinced it would have been, but um, yeah, so it's, I guess it's just always there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. You said your mom, professional musician. What did, what does she play? Well, she is a pianist as well oh. she, and she, yeah and she she was a teacher as well so she ran the music department at Wester Hills Education Centre at like for 26 years so yeah and she um she kind of I guess discovered it to a degree and coached and raised money for that jazz saxophonist Tommy Smith to get to Berkeley Wow, um, and they have they go back way back, um, and then she yeah she got like an alumna and an MBE for her contributions to music and education. So yeah, so she's she's just done in the in the in the sphere of education. She's done quite a lot. She's had quite a lot of work published in in education and music as well. Like so, like my daughter was playing violin, and she had this thing called an ice cream concert at school where they play a bit of violin and they get an ice cream at the end when she was like six and. Mm-hmm. Um, or seven actually um and I was in the room in our it's she's at my old school as well which is just so weird I'm li- literally back in the playground sort of chewing gum like giving the teachers dirty looks but oh wow um, so she goes to the school you grew up going to she does yeah she That's does cool. and it was quite nice though because in the music room there was like a glass wall at the back with those sort of like you know kind of banking drawers almost do you know what I mean like those sort of filing drawers yeah like um, filing cabinets I know what I'm, no, like a wall of them though. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. We did old. And, um, and I, after the ice cream concert, I kind of looked at some of the drawers and my mum's name is on some of them. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to tell her that wow. like her, her, her compositions for education are at the school that I was at, the Bonnie's night. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Her legacy and, lives on. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So that was I thought nice. you were going to say, and then there was my file in there. And I yeah. <laughs> found all... <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> wow, that's cool. So did she obviously taught you? I would th- I would imagine. Not really. Really? I by, no, I, you know, I think it's that thing where you, your parents probably the last person that can teach you. Because okay. you're just like, I mean, I know from homeschooling, <laughs> like, I, I was trying to say, I was like Miss Trunchbull. I was like, right, you've got to take me seriously. And they were like, no, you're not, you're Miss Honey. Like, we're, you know, but they, they didn't, um, you know, they, I think it's like with kids, they're like, yeah, you know, mum's not going to kind of force me to do it or whatever. So I think with, with my mum, I probably wouldn't have shown up in the way that I did for more of a formal kind of teaching mm-hmm. situation. Okay. But she had, she had a Polish teacher who, was like maybe about 80 or something by the time but I got taught by her teacher as well so I got taught by an old Polish man that taught my mum um yeah yeah okay and so so you you went did you end up going to like college or anything for music did you continue doing it okay no it was just purely for the joy of it in that sense of like as a let let you know recreational thing and then 
I mean, I actually studied, I started studying biochemistry. That was my degree I was going to do. And then I left in second year because I got a record deal. And I just was like, well, I remember really kind of consciously thinking I could possibly come back to this, but I don't think I'll get another offer of a deal. Do you know what I mean? So right. Yeah. Why just, not like, well, jump at that? Of course. Yeah. yeah well, tell, tell me about that. Like how, how long, when did you start writing songs? Um, as a teen, like okay. I did, we, me, me and my two friends actually, <clears throat> my, what's really lovely actually is my friend that I co-wrote a couple, um, no one song Constellations on this album is my old school friend and we wrote the song together many years ago. And I said to her, do you know what would be lovely um, before doing this album? I was up on the island and I was like, um, do you know what would be really, really lovely if you wrote another song together? Because we haven't written one for such a long time. Anyway, there is one on the album. But so at the, one of the first songs I wrote was was me and my two friends all took guitars to the island. I remember nice. I remember us, sorry, at the time sort of saying, did we all actually have to bring a guitar each? But yeah, maybe we did. But we we're on this <laughs> tiny boat with like three guitars and this is surely there's a better way of doing this. But um, but we, yeah, we played piano a lot up there and we did like knit and play guitar. And we wrote, we wrote a song up there. I must've been 15, something like that. Wow. And yeah. what, what, how, how soon did you start, um, like the project that ended up getting signed, we're, we're talking about one dove and I don't oh, yeah. know how, how familiar or how open you are to talk about that, but uh, sure. was that the project that got signed out of college? That was a project. Yeah. Um, okay. So when did you start one dove? Uh, well, Jim and I just got chatting. I was a biochemistry student and I had a part-time a bar job and and Jim was actually managing that bar and he was like oh should we make, try and make a song together and I had done some keyboards for somebody else and I might have mentioned it or something so anyway he I think he was like all right well we could maybe do something so yeah so that was how we, how that started oh wow were you in a band prior to that or that was kind of your first go no I, no I just helped a friend with some keyboards and I think I might have said to someone I'd be sorry. I might have said to Jim that I played keyboards or I don't know how, I cannot remember how it came up, but yeah, that was, that was, we decided to try a song together and I took him the chords to fall in um, to his flat in West Glasgow, in West end of Glasgow um, and, pl- and played him these chords. And then the next thing was they were the bones of fallen. And that's how that song started. Wow. Oh my mm. gosh. And so yeah. then how did the record deal happen? Was it, did you guys build a fan base? But it was true. Out of that bar? Or? It was true Fallen really because, um, well, it was true Fallen because um, we finished the track and then we thought, well, it'd be nice to put out like a white label or something. And um, we were quite friendly with the Slam guys and they just started a label called Soma. They put out a song called Eterna, which is Soma 001 or whatever, like the first release. And then Fallen mm-hmm. was Soma number two. Um, so it was the second release on Soma. And um, I think they signed an early incarnation of Daft Punk as well, actually, Soma. And Wow. Anyway, so Fallen was the second release on Soma. And then we just decided to, to, to well, actually, it was the Slam guys, I think, said we're going to play it in Rimini for the first time as part of our DJ set. So we were like, right, we're going. So we all just jumped on a plane and went to Rimini to he- just to hear it played for the first time. Cause obviously it's like such a big moment, like your, mm-hmm. your first ever vinyl 
and there was like a thousand copies I think um I should I should know that but um yeah so anyway we went we went out there and they played it on the decks for the first time and in that club where they're always there with his friend Arden and it would have been maybe was it Stuart or Order Dave introduced me to Andrew and then there was chat about the the record and during the course of that night he asked me to send him a copy of that record and then at the end of the club the whole club opened out onto the beach and everybody sort of crossed the beach um, and got onto a boat and then the club carried on on a boat the Cellophane boat party it was very 90s wow that's <laughs> I rad know. And Andrew and the Slam guys and, and one dove, we were all on the boat. And um, and actually, funnily enough, somebody recently sent me a photo from the cellophane boat deck. And it, it does look suitably mental. I'm not I'm very <laughs> glad I'm not in the photo, to be honest. Oh, you're but, not um, in the picture? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm hiding somewhere, but um but 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 it is like it is like a still from I don't know, it, it it's quite a, it's quite an image. Um, so then after we all got off that boat, I remember seeing like Andrew's face on a bus kind of going and he'd got on some other bus. Anyway, but the one dove, like we all went back and then whatever, like back in the UK, I sent Andrew the, the vinyl and that's how. And then he phoned me up out of the blue and was like, only fucking record of the year. And like, I'm going to get your record deal and all that. So it was really like really quick and kind of quite sort of I, I'm only now appreciating how mental that is really and how you know unlikely <laughs> that is as well you know right he, he was literally like only fucking record of the year and then he played it as like his last track of the night he was touring Primal Scream he played it like last track of the night on the tour I believe and yeah it was just he just really liked it and he really championed us like because I think he went into like Heavenly Records and went into Boy's Own which was his label at the time before it became Junior Boys Own and really sort of, you know, kind of, uh, you know, he really believed in us and really just, you know, sort of was so instrumental to us getting a deal, like, because he was endorsing us, I guess, you know, and to, mm-hmm. to his own. So obviously they were an imprint on, I think, Boys Own. Oh gosh, I don't know the business side of it, but I, I imagine there was people to convince, do you know what I mean? But anyway, sure. he, did, he did and we ended up with this deal and then, yeah, and then that was it. We got signed on the strength of that song. Wow. So, and talk about a life uh, change as far as like going from biology, totally. right? To now yeah. you're a rock star. Oh, well, I know. It was mad. <laughs> <laughs> Mental. I, I don't know if I was cut out for the biochemistry, though. I remember going in with bright red hair in my lecture going, oh, you've gone past the end point, like talking about equilibrium. <laughs> I was sure. like, yeah. But um, no, so, um, no, but it was amazing. And I and I actually put something on my, my album, Thank Yous About Andrew, because I will remain indebted to him, actually, you know, because after that, he then made me up loads of cassettes of like, we should listen to this. Have you heard this? Have you heard this? Which he does for loads of people, I now know. You know, he, he, um, he was very, very generous in that way, really loved sharing music. And um, and so, like, it, I look back at 
you know, just look at the music that I've made over the years and I think, God, that is in there and that is in there and that is in there. And I wouldn't have come across that if it wasn't for those cassettes. And like, so he introduced me to quite a lot of, like curated these really lovely um, cassettes for me to listen to. So uh, yeah, I feel very, very grateful. And actually I've thanked, I had thanked him several times because I, I was just aware of how much that had influenced me really, you know, and just sort of shaped, shaped my taste a bit, you know, and um, just stuff I wouldn't have come across necessarily. Um, so I, I, I recorded a record. Sorry, tell me if I'm going on too much about. No, no. this is perfect. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, shut it. No, <laughs> um, no. No. <laughs> um, so I recorded an album with Keith Tenniswood down in the Rotters Golf Club, which was Andrew's studio. Um, and he, you know, obviously I was sort of like, you know, I was there sort of professionally to use the studio, but it was very nice of him to even allow me to use the room, you know, and his engineer. And so anyway, he was he was in his DJ room. So it was nice, actually, in the ooze. I was down there for quite a lot, well, the duration of the making of an album. So when I wasn't in the studio with Keith, like we were all in the communal bit, like having a laugh. And so that was really nice to sort of reconnect with him in the ooze. And even then he was making, he made up some, some compilations for me and stuff. And then in like 2019, I went to, um, he was DJing at this night at Noiriki and I went to um, to see, I went down and I saw him and Denise Johnson, who's not, sadly not with us either. I cannot believe it really. It's, it's mind boggling really. But I was with them both that night and I thanked Andrew again and said, listen, can I just... I was like, no, I know I've said before, but I really appreciate the, the music that you gave me. And he was like, that's all right. Like as if it was nothing, but it really, really influenced me, you know? So I was, I really held on to that actually when, when I found out about his, um, you know, his passing and uh, just thought I'm really, really fortunate to have been able to just see him, you know, quite not that long ago. And also just to thank him again, because, you know, I just like I say, done. It's sort of been my just with my whole career would be so different if it if it wasn't for for his uh, sort of I guess mentorship to a degree because it was his label and we were signed to it and all that. But you know, mm. just his influence on the people around him, which I'm sure a lot of people have a similar experience. You know, so. But yeah, to have him be such a like uh, influence for you to even you know mm. he's in a, he was a huge person I mean Primal Scream is massive right I mean for oh yeah no totally to, you know yeah. yeah I mean the night one of the nights in Rimini when we all met one Dove and Andrew we all met down on the beach and he played an early mix of Shine Like Stars um, so I kind of heard I heard the bit of Screamadelica well it was a mix that didn't end up on the album actually but um yeah, no, I, I, I'm a big fan of, of them as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. really, That's really. So cool. Yeah. And, and so. would you, do you feel like, like, I mean, once he was really kind of, like you said, championing the band and championing the project, did you, like, like for you guys, did you tour or was that it? Was that other than helping, you know, get your name out there, was that like, a, or, I mean, a leg up as far as getting in front of people or? Oh, to to have him producing us, you mean? Yeah, and having him go yeah. out. Wasn't he playing the record? For, wasn't he playing the record? Oh, totally. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, completely. And I think people really trust, naturally and quite rightly, really trusted his, you know, his kind of filter or whatever, you know, his taste. Hey, you're right, he was a kind of a tastemaker, yeah. right? 
totally and 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 quite a purist in the nicest possible way so he wouldn't you know he was of his of his musical word or belief if you know what I mean I think he really was passionate obviously about it and so yeah so people we are very just hugely respected as he absolutely should be you know like brilliant Mm. brilliant person and and uh you know, really, really creative. Like, a, like a, I, I think just like like a real art, an artist, even though he was producing and maybe not a band member. It was like, when we were in One Dove, we said that it was like having another band member, really, you know, because it was mm-hmm. so sort of creative production and, you know, um, yeah, so it was really definitely kind of, um, you know, kind of shone a light on us in a way that would have been so hard to kind of, you know, we couldn't to 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 try and attempt to create without him, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, yeah, very grateful. That's cool. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to know, like, once that, once One Dove kind of ran its course, right? They use is that when you started to put records out uh, independently or under your under Dot Allison? Yeah, um, I mean, we did start writing another album, and then there was sort of internal wrangles in the band, and then we got dropped and. I somebody from London that was close to the band suggested that I go down and I just sort of went, why not? You know, so um and then and then, you know, have forever been finding my feet <laughs> myself, you know, because I think it's it's um yeah, it's interesting. It's been an interesting journey for me to actually find my process mm-hmm. and my um, and to get out of my own way a bit as well, because I'm a bit avoidant about sort of stuff. Like I kind of put, you know, I'm a bit procrastinating, a bit put things on. So anyway, but it's taken me, I think it's taken me a bit of a while to find my kind of process within myself. I'm almost, I, I'm almost, I almost work well in a group, I think, because I'm sort of, I don't know, it's that accountability thing. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, anyway, but yeah. And then I went solo and, and that's what we're at. Yeah you find me <laughs> <laughs> and you this is your first record in what 12 years is that yeah. what I read? wow yeah. so yeah. tell me about the time between was like what brought you back to wanting to put a record out um well i i i became a mom so that's a big um, one yeah and I, <laughs> yeah and i just didn't want to i just didn't want to be away from my kids so and, and my priorities just really changed and remain changed I mean but um so I just was like right that's it I'm not doing that anymore I'm just going to be full-time with my kids and everything and then um I started I mean the thing is the thing about if the way your mind works I guess is to to kind of think I think in a sort of idea generating kind of a way or whatever and if you like playing music then it doesn't leave you really um so I would still be playing or I'd still be thinking of titles or writing bits of poetry or just thinking like word play in my mind. I'm, I I love a play on words. Um, so I kind of like, that doesn't stop. So that didn't really stop. Um, and then I did do a bit of writing when my, my daughter was like, my youngest is a bit, was a bit older and I was doing like one day a week, but then I was actually getting quite depressed. So I was like, I'm still not, I'm still not ready to do this. So I found it quite hard to go back to do, to, to sort of, sort of, you know, just to take that to, it's, it's sort of a gradual degree of separation from, 
your kids, I think. And so I didn't want to rush that. And um, and now they're just that bit older. Then I am, they are more independent of me rather than me buggering off, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, um, so now that they're more independent of me, my energy, where I direct it has changed. And so I find myself just thinking, oh, I've, got, I've kind of got space to make stuff again. And, um, and then I had all these ideas that, like I say, that when I was doing that writing, that like I was struggling to do even a day sort of here and there, actually. Um, I was coming up with quite a lot of ideas. It's almost like there's a backlog waiting to come out or something. <laughs> when you've done it, it's like they're sort of knocking at the door of your subconscious and here we are. But um, so I had quite a lot of ideas, actually, and I was just voice noting all the time, even yeah, I never stopped voice noting ideas. And um, so when it came to making some music, which it was through my friend, through the sort of Scottish, through the Scottish folk scene, really, because I was up on the island and then my friend was building a house, somebody she was building a house with, this girl, Amy Bowman, um, decided we were having a Christmas party. It's all very sort of like not planned in a way. Um, mm-hmm. So Sarah's sons are in a, in a trio, a brilliant trio, the Tom Campbell trio. And then they were playing at the party. And then um, Amy had said, shall I come and sing a song at the party? And so I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so she sang this amazing song and her voice is just absolutely stunning. So I was like, oh my God, would you fancy writing something together or doing something together, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So then we wrote, we, I had a set of chords and a, a poem that was like pre-existing that I'd called The Haunted, which is like uses the, bo- the body as a, me- sorry, the house as a metaphor for the human body, really, um, and sort of personification. And I'd sort of been sculpting away at this poem. And then I said, do you fancy doing something with this? And I had G and D minor. And then Amy played them on the uke. And then she just kind of read the lyrics and just sang the melody just like that, you know. And it just came together really quickly, actually, because partly because it was partly maybe written as well. But um, and then I was like, oh, God, I want to do another now, you know. So that I'd say that was the point at which I thought, oh, God, maybe I'm making music. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. before it was like making a noise, you know. Sure. Um, kind of like organically yeah. came back into your life. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. Wow. I was said, that good? Oh, no, it's fine. I was just laughing with my husband saying, I think I'll accidentally retire. <laughs> I didn't mean to stop making music, but I just <laughs> Then anyway, I started yeah. again. Fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to yeah. ask you if if you think like maybe the whole coronavirus played into it now that you had more time on your hands or was it more um, difficult? You have kids. I I have kids, so I know that I was like, you know, homeschooling yeah. and all the other garbage oh, that came along god. with it i'm surprised oh my god what i did was homeschooled with them and as long as we got through oh god that that's the dog not my stomach <laughs> 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 so i'm really bad oh, good. <laughs> don't worry that is not me um but yeah oh oscar sheesh um what was i gonna say um so if they could get through it by the morning then that was like, you know, that was the aim was like, try and get it done by lunchtime that, the, you know, the, the main lessons and everything. And um, then in the afternoon, I had time to kind of to write and obviously couldn't go anywhere. So I, we, there was a ukulele that I'd been bought as a gift. And I thought I've been looking at that for quite a long time. Right. I'm going to try and learn it. I was just going to write something on it. And then like 
it was just weird. It was like, God, it's as if I was meant to be playing on this because I just suddenly found it easy to write on. And I was like, oh God, that's kind of been quite freeing to just pick that up and do that. So yeah, so it it did help me because it came. I came up with those four songs that that I write myself on the uke, and I do think they've really shaped the album. So that's one sort of you know silver lining thing that's come out. Wow. So four of the songs in the record are are written on the ukulele. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And and I don't know anything. I mean, I'm I like I know how it's tuned or whatever, but I don't know the chords. Um, because I hadn't played it. So I was literally just going clink, 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 you know, and just sort of working <laughs> out, obviously not, not those notes, but yeah, kind of working out interesting harmonic shapes and then just mucking about with it and then going, oh my God, that goes really nicely into that. And then it just suddenly, you know, sort of took shape. And, um, and I don't know why, but it just seemed, it seemed like it untethered my voice melodically in a way that, that it doesn't, in the same way playing at the piano or on guitar. So it was like, I felt so sort of, maybe because it's so small and almost like part of your body that then my voice just went off more. I don't know, it's weird, but yeah, I find it was very freeing and sort of felt like I get this is, this is, um, it's like when you're so comfortable with the instrument, then the voice is, is free to roam in a way, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. No, totally. Like, yeah, I think that's what happens. So. Wow. Yeah. And the record's coming out at the end of the month, right? The 30th? It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. It's called Heart Shaped Scars. And yeah. I mean, other than the four ukulele songs, what else can you tell us about the record? Um, I guess it's it's kind of like um, it's a sort of haunting sound. And I guess it's got... Um, it's quite intimate and sort of stripped back. And with the mixing, I was really keen to retain like the depth of field to the, like the sonic image so that it's not like kind of flat sound, you know, Mm -hmm. that sort of radio sound that can be very kind of like, almost like sausage meat, you know, like really compressed. I just didn't want it to be like that. I wanted you to be able to sort of like run into the songs. Do you know what I mean? Like (laughs) really like a 3D image of, sonically um and I worked with Fiona Cruikshank um who's absolutely brilliant and also recorded the Utrecht and then Heba Kadri who's based in New York is just absolutely um so I feel it's I feel really happy with the sound of the record I'm not talking about like the compositions I am happy Mm -hmm. with those as well but sure um, but, but but specifically talking about the sound, I think it's it's as close to to the sound I've, I'm aiming for as I've ever got, if that makes sense. Sure, that's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. Really so yeah, is it, and it's all recorded in Neumann U67 microphone, really. Oh most of, wow. Yeah, mostly, and then the uke into little calls and um, yeah. So you you're starting with something that's that's already you're winning with the right, sound right. Say, that's, a, that's a beautiful mic <laughs> yeah, really nice. and actually it's funny it's one that had been dropped so it's got a slight dent in it but it's something about oh that mic because i tried 
another U67 and I was like, it's got a magic dent. I don't want to. <laughs> but it's funny, it's got character. I don't know if it's anything to do with the, the perfection, but maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's really cool. I can't wait to hear the rest of the record. And I appreciate you being here today, Dottie. It's been great. Oh, it's really nice to chat. Yeah, I do have one more question for you. I want to know if you have uh, any advice for aspiring artists. Um, I would say listen to your gut in all ways. So musically, if you feel passionately about something, I would say someone else probably will. And I know for me, I've struggled with self-confidence quite badly so I've been talked out of things that it's hard to describe but anyway I've had idea I've allowed myself to be talked out of things where they haven't necessarily been improved by the deletion of the thing necessarily or somebody's persuaded me to put something on something and then I've maybe been right in my gut that that wasn't the right do you know what I mean yeah so I've lived my experience to sort of be open-minded but to trust your gut because it's all, it's, confidence is quite a big thing of the part of writing because everybody's got their own subjective view of what's right. And I think you can only try and make something that you think is beautiful and then hope that somebody else will feel the same way. And the other thing is, I think listening to your gut about people as well is really important, actually. So, um, you know, if you feel like it doesn't matter what somebody says to you, how do they make you feel? Because I know for me, if I don't feel safe in a room writing, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to be able to give my best ideas to the session, you know, cause you need to feel, I, I need to feel trust in order to open up. So it's kind of, um, yeah. So I think that's what I would say is like, get yourself around people that you genuinely sort of from the head to the heart feel sort of comfortable with and then not just let somebody talk you out of your idea if you feel passionately about it whilst remaining yeah that's what i would say i love it and 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 don't do you know that saying it's like don't leave, do you know there's a saying don't leave before the miracle or something i mean i think that's a recovery saying but um, I would say don't don't fall out with yourself just because your first idea isn't like, you know, award winning or something. It's like it's a process of well, for me anyway, sorry, it's been a process of discovery. And I had no idea what I was capable of at the beginning. So you have to be in it to to evolve as a writer. So you just have to do the, you know, just um, yeah, just don't don't compare your thing to somebody else in the first instant and go, well, it's not as good as that, so I'm giving up because they probably didn't start at that level. Do you know what I mean? So that's the other thing. I would say give yourself time to, to evolve. <laughs>